Hey guys, my name is James. I'm in my second year of mechatronic engineering. And he said to them, then, then are you also with their understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not, in, not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. And from there he arose, and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house, and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre, and went through Sidon, to the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf, and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven. He sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged him to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Good afternoon and welcome to the new semester 
and to the Uni Bible Group, especially if you have not been with us before, just to Ryan's uh, welcome. It's good to have you here as we seek to uncover Jesus as we work through Mark's Gospel and delve into what, how God has shown himself in Mark's Gospel. Here at the Uni Bible Group, we do hold that the Bible is God speaking, and so it's only right that if we're reading the Bible, we to ask God to help us to understand what he would have us understand, and for me to be able to speak it clearly. So I'm going to pray, and praying is just asking God for something, and I'm asking God to help us. Uh, now I'm going to do that now. Our God and Creator, we thank you for revealing your plans for the world in the Bible. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. Please help us to hear it clearly. Please help me to be able to explain it clearly, and please help us to respond rightly to what you teach us. Amen. Amen. What I'm saying, you can follow along on the outline. Hopefully it will correspond to something that I say, and uh, certainly from Mark's Gospel there. If you've got thoughts uh, or comments that you want to add in to, to go in and get collected up, you can write them on there. Um, maybe even all going well, we might have a few minutes at the end for a um, few questions, unless happen. But Ryan will, Ryan will tell me that. Almost 50 years ago, John Lennon published his very famous song, which I'm sure you've heard of if you don't know, Imagine. It's a song that was published during the troubled years of the Vietnam War. A lot of anxiety across the world about where the world will go. No real difference to the last 10 20, 50, 100 years across the world as we know uh, everything that's happening around the world now in an instant and we know the tensions that are in the world. John Lennon wrote this song, Imagine. And it become, it's become an enduring anthem across the generations since. I'd be surprised if any of you have never heard it. Maybe you're putting it plain in your head right now. In it, he seeks to address the problems of the world by imagining. Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's no hell. There's just the physical world. Imagine there's a world where there's no division, no religion, no countries, no possessions, just a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine all the people living in harmony. And it's an anthem of peace and love and hope for all people who would seek to live in peace and harmony together. He said, you may say I'm a dreamer, I'm not the only one, but we hope that someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. He invites the listener to imagine with hope of what the world could be like. <coughs> we didn't imagine. And its longing has resonated across the millennia. Such that in the Bible and in the Gospels, we see, in particular, we encounter the other great peacemaker of history, Jesus. Like John Lennon, he addresses all people. Like John Lennon, he challenges the most cherished ideas of society. And like John Lennon, he seeks a solution for all people. Now, at the beginning of the passage that we was read for us, Jesus identifies the problem. What he says is the problem. And you can pick it up at that little verse 20. <coughs> he says, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. 
For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. <coughs> right from the start, <coughs> Jesus says, evil is not something which is out there. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The heart is the thing that is pumping out evil. Evil doesn't come from or start with corrupt religion or nationalism misplaced or materialistic greed out there, though those things are corrupt and, and materialistic and, and, and greed-worthy, but rather they're all generated from a corrupt heart. The in here is the problem. In you is the problem. The problem with me just imagining a world that is harmonious and imagining a world where everyone lives as one is not that we can't necessarily carry it out, but it's my imagination. The imagination or the image that I create from an evil heart is going to be one that suits me. Just like it's one that suits John Lennon. Imagine a world where there is no religion. He's already given up on religion a long time ago. It suits him perfectly. Imagine a world where there's no possessions. Well, he's happy. He's got a lot. He, he's lived a happy life. Not anymore. He passed in his shop many years ago. The thing that I imagine is the thing that I like. Jesus says, it all flows from an infected heart. And Jesus, as a peacemaker, is a realist as opposed to an idealist. He's a realist. Rather than just imagine a different world, the world that you want there to be, he says, grasp hold of the reality in this one. The reality you need to grasp hold of is your heart. That's the problem. And it needs fixing. And because it's your heart, you can't fix it yourself. It needs fixing from outside. Religion doesn't help. Religion's a failure. This passage, we pick it up halfway through, a blistering attack that Jesus makes on the religious leaders of the day. His point is that human religion blinds the religious by fooling them into thinking that they're right with God because of their religion, their religious practices. And that fixes the human problem. It's the blind leading the blind into further blindness. It would be better if they just didn't do anything. Religion will not help. These Jewish leaders thought that they were, because they were God's people, which they were, they held God's name, because they were God's people, therefore they were right with God. Therefore they were clean. They were acceptable. And because they thought that they were right with God and acceptable to God, that means everybody else from all the other nations were the unclean, the defiled, and were to be avoided the Gentiles, that is, the people of the nations, everybody else who's not Jewish, they were defiled and unclean, and so Gentiles were despised. They couldn't eat with them, couldn't shop in the same place, or if they did shop in the same place, you have to come home and go through all sorts of elaborate ritual to cleanse yourself. Jesus, like John Lennon, was born into a world of great 
division, deep division. But as we're meant to see, the very coming of Jesus begins to deal with the problem. You see it there in verse 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house, and he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. It's the furthest north, and perhaps the furthest Jesus ever travels in his whole time, certainly the furthest north, far into Gentile territory, which is not a problem in and of itself, but entering the home of a Gentile will actually make you unclean. And Jesus is entering his home to hide. He wants to get away. He's not on a grand mission to the nations. He goes to Tyre and looks for somewhere to hide, to get away from people. But he can't. Not from a mother with a sick child afflicted by an evil spirit. Um, second rule in life, don't mess with mothers. <laughs> who are looking after children and caring for their children and their children's welfare and well-being. Of course, if you have moved away from home to come to uni, um, I'm sure you know, the uh, if you have a mother, the love and affection of a mother. I hope you do. Who rings you often to see what you're doing, uh, how you are, supplies uh, <laughs> you with all sorts of food to take back with you, clothes, all sorts of gifts, blessings on you if you have a mother like that. And Jesus answers this woman with her plea. You can see it in verse 27. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's a shocking response. Jesus suggests that she's a Gentile dog. And I'm not going to help you. A callous, racist dismissal from Jesus? Not too many ways around it, <laughs> what Jesus says to this woman. It's interesting to notice that this doesn't get airbrushed from the Gospel, from the Bible. Um, it, it seems to go against everything that Jesus teaches about Israel and the nations and what his disciples are going to go on and do and actually preach the gospel to the nations so that all the nations can be included after his death and resurrection. But it doesn't get airbrushed. It, it's a little, one of those little windows into the, the veracity of the Bible. I think if I was editing uh, at some point, you know, I think I'd probably want to just scrub that bit out. I don't think really meant to say that. But it's there for us. But let me ask you, what do you think seems to be the important word here in Jesus' reply in verse 27? But rather than you shout it out, why don't you speak it to the, or your ideas to the one or two around about you? Take it a day, you don't know who the person is. What do you think the important word is to notice in verse 27? I'll give you a minute or two. 
We said it'd be the first, because it's always first with the Jew, then the Gentile, in a lot of passages, including this one. But first, first. for the children. Let the children be fed first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was going to say bread, um, just because I'm kind of curious as to why you've got uh, chapter 8, verse 1 to 10 in the reading as well. And... Um, yeah. That was going to be my guess. Yeah. Anyone else have any of the, either of those two? Does anyone have anything different? Anyone have 27? Oh, yeah, right. um, children, uh, because we're all children of God, um, and it mentions it twice. Ah, it mentions children twice. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, I could give you an answer, but um, <laughs> <coughs> let's see. Well, I think I'll probably have to give you, give you my thoughts anyway. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't... We, we know that Jesus ends up healing the girl. Uh, he does do that. I don't think that sort of excuses or just, you just brush aside what Jesus says necessarily. Just, oh, well, there was a happy ending and it was all right. Uh, but the important thing is this... That, that Jesus picks up what this woman says. He doesn't just immediately do for this woman what she asks. He has this dialogue with her. He engages with her. And it seems to be that he's putting this challenge back to the woman to say, this is not your time. This is not the time of the Gentiles. She recognises there's something about Jesus. She's come to him begging, knowing that he can help her remove a evil spirit from her daughter. But Jesus says, not yet. First, let the children eat everything they want. It's time for God's children. That is, the Jewish nation. They were God's children at that time. And they were first. That's why Jesus has come. Matthew 5, uh, sorry, in Matthew's Gospel, in the parallel reading, which I don't have the passage for, Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost children of Israel. It's not time yet for the Gentiles. That time will come. But what does she do? She answers, verse 28, but she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Verse 
and he said to her, For this statement you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. She calls him Lord nonetheless and presses her plea home as only a mother would. And Jesus listens. <laughs> she pleads with Jesus not on the basis of being entitled to anything. Not like the religious leaders. It's not on the basis of national identity. I am God's people. I deserve. Not on the basis of religious observance. Or even on the basis of deep down having a good heart. She just knows that she can't fix the problem and Jesus can. And all she needs is a crumb from off the table. Just a crumb is all I need, Jesus. And Jesus indeed gives her the crumb and her daughter is healed. Mark doesn't even show us the healing. Uh, we just told that it happened and she went home and her daughter was well. He focuses in on the conversation between Jesus and the mother. And it's not her cleverness of her answer but that, is, that is good, but rather I think it's her willingness to accept her situation. She doesn't argue with Jesus about her situation, that she's deserving. She just knows that Jesus can help and begs him to. It's not merely wishing for a better world, or wish things were better, or lamenting that you've been dealt an unfair hand in life. If only situations had been different, if only, if I was, it's recognising that there's a problem, I can't do anything about it, but Jesus can. And pleading with him, you need an expert for this solution. And friends, that's the start of the Christian journey. That's the following Jesus and having him as Lord and Saviour. When we realise that we don't deserve Because our problem is, here in our part of the world, in our lives, we think we do deserve. Not because we're particularly bad, but it's just the air we breathe. It's dangerous for us. Jesus has come into the world to save people like you and me. People with sick hearts that rebel against him. To save us from his anger, from God's anger at our evil hearts. But we know we don't deserve it. But is this just an account of a Gentile woman getting a crumb from Jesus? Or has something bigger just happened? Mark's story continues in the region of the Gentiles. Pick it up, verse 31. And he returned to the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. They begged him to lay his hand on him. Taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. Again, Jesus is in Gentile area, the Decapolis, the ten cities. Again, someone hears about his presence in the town and comes with a sick guy. And again, it's a private affair, or at least tries to keep it that way. Now, apart from the fact that Jesus heals the guy so that he can hear, 
and he can speak plainly straight away. What's going on here? Is this another crumb for another Gentile? Well, yes, but there's more. Because if you've been with us reading Mark's Gospel, you know that Jesus has been repeating over and again to the crowds, hear, listen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because Jesus has come to bring a message. And what's the thing, what's the organ that you most need with Jesus around? You need to be able to hear. Hear his message so that you can respond. Here is a man amongst the Gentiles who has a problem hearing. And Jesus fixes that. And he can speak. And as much as Jesus tells him to stop speaking about what he's done, this man just speaks and everybody else speaks. And Jesus can't stop them speaking. Jesus has opened the dam, or at least it's burst a little bit, of the blessings to the Gentiles, and he can't even hold it back. It's not time yet until after his death and resurrection. But the Gentiles won't wait. And so we come to the climax of the story where we uncover Jesus and see who he is. It comes in that chapter 8, verse 1 and following. It's a big 8 that's in that, uh, in that reading. And it's the feeding of 4,000 people. Uh, in those days when, uh, again, when a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away to their homes, they will faint along the way, and some of them have come from far away. Jesus feeds 4,000 people that day. If you were with us last semester, you think, hang on, just last chapter, Jesus fed 5,000. Is this just like a repeat, sort of copy-paste, but change some of the details? And why two feedings like this? What's different about them? Obviously they're different in number. Otherwise, are they just the same? Well, they're quite different because of where they occur. The feeding of the 5,000 occurs within the territory of the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. The feeding of the 4,000 occurs in the region of the nations the Gentiles. Here he is in Gentile territory feeding the masses. See, the woman, she asks for a crumb, knowing that Jesus was bringing salvation. The man who can hear and speak has broken out with the news and now the dam of God's blessing to the nations is beginning to burst as Jesus, in compassion for the crowd, provides not a crumb but a full meal we're told that there's seven baskets left over. This time the baskets are a different word. It's the, like big baskets are left over. Something big has just broken out into the Gentile world. And it's not going back. And I don't think it's any surprise that in the next chapter, Jesus then starts to wrap up the first part of his mission. It's time for Jerusalem. It's time for the end. And it speeds on very quickly from there. The time of the inclusion of the nations is here. A 
full and satisfying inclusion for all people. And we don't have to imagine all the people as John Lennon said. Here is the reality of people from all nations, both the Jews and the nations, the Gentiles, being blessed by God through Jesus, the message of the gospel and the bringer of the gospel. Uniting all people together because he's come into the world for all to rescue us, to rescue all people from evil amongst all the nations. And we celebrate it here in this chapter. There's a song um, from the 1990s, you may have heard of it, called uh, Jesus is Way Cool, by a band called King Missile. So the guy who wrote the song, he's not a Christian at all. Um, but he, in a strange way, captures the rule of Jesus that you sort of see a bit here. He says, it goes, Jesus was way cool. Everybody liked Jesus. Everybody wanted to hang out with him. Anything he wanted to do, he did. He turned water into wine, and if he wanted to, he could have turned wheat into marijuana, or sugar into cocaine, or vitamin pills into amphetamines. <laughs> he walked on water and swam on land, and would tell these stories and people would listen. It was really cool. If you were blind or lame, you just went to Jesus, and he would put his hands on you, and you would be healed. That's so cool. He could have played guitar better than Hendrix. He could have told the future. He could have baked the most delicious cake in the world. He could have scored more goals than Wayne Gretzky. That's ice hockey, by the way. He could have danced better than Barishnikov. That's ballet. He could have been funnier than any comedian you can think of. Jesus was way cool. He told people to eat his body and drink his blood. That's so cool. <laughs> Jesus was so cool. But then some people got jealous of how cool he was, so they killed him. But then he rose from the dead. And he, he rose up from the dead and danced around, then went up to heaven. I mean, that's so cool. <laughs> Jesus was way cool. No wonder there are so many Christians. Now we're inviting people to read Mark and uncover Jesus and find out about Jesus. Now, you won't find all those things in the Bible, if you're not sure. <laughs> but it catches something of the vibe that Jesus brings and the rule that he brings. And especially from what we see today, the last line. It's not just that there are many followers of Jesus, but they come from all over the world, from all the nations, whatever the nations, without limitation without having to learn a particular language to pray, without having to do particular cultural things to know God, anyone from any nation of any language whatsoever is included here in God's great rescue plan in Jesus. And that is really cool. If it's something that you don't know much about, Jesus and what he's on about, then we do really want to help you discover Jesus by reading the Gospel of Mark with you. And I ask you, have you joined this crowd of people that are following Jesus and listening to him? Being satisfied by him, by what he brings? 
Have you come to trust Jesus as your rescuer? We want to give you the opportunity to do that in Uncover Mark. But perhaps you want to pray and give thanks to God for who Jesus is. Perhaps you want to, I'm going to pray in a moment, you want to pray that you might know Jesus better. And I'm going to invite you to say Amen to the prayer that I have here. And we want to be able to help you get to know Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that in Jesus you have not treated us as our hearts deserve. Thank you for sending Jesus to save us from evil, from your just judgment of evil. Please help us to grasp that reality of our hearts. Please help us to grasp your new reality, that Jesus rules over all people now. And please help us to submit to his rule. For those of us, Lord, who don't know Jesus as Lord, please help us to understand him and who he is and to be able to respond by following him. We long for that day when his rule is seen and lived out throughout all the earth. We ask this, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Hey everyone, um, my name is Hannah, um, I'm a second year early year student um, and I'd love you guys to pray with me as we just heard an awesome message from Mark um, teaching us how great our God is and how he can forgive us for no matter what it is, even when we're so undeserving of it. Um, if you can bow your head with me, that would be great. Dear God, thank you for bringing us here today to learn more about your incredible word and to learn more from the book of Mark. We thank you for being the creator of life, the one who heals us from all our evil hearts, even when we're so, so undeserving. Thank you, Lord, for NYC that happened last week. Thank you for giving us the chance to attend an amazing week away, deepening our knowledge for you and the cross of Christ. Thank you for the fellowship that was shared through strengthening friendships, as well as creating new ones. Thank you, God, for being a relation to God who sent your son to show us how to love one another just as Jesus would, to see how we, to be, just how we should be steadfast in your word, in your love and grace. God, we pray as we start back at uni this week that we'll be settled in well and make the effort to do all things that is needed. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of Jesus' week this week. Uh, Lord, we pray that the wonderful word of you will be shared, uh, the wonderful news of Jesus will be proclaimed and heard all over campus. I pray that uh, you will hear this, uh, the people around us will hear this um, gospel and want to know more about you. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for how good we have it here in Australia. But Lord, we pray for those countries that are unreached uh, Lord, as it must be so difficult to come to know you in that country, in that circumstance. Uh, Lord, we pray specifically for uh, Jura in Pakistan. We pray that your powerful word will be spoken to them through sending out people of yours uh, to declare what is the great news um, that you have given us here in Australia that we'll be able to be over there. Uh, Lord, we know all things are possible through you, including the things as humans think are impossible. Our Lord, you are great, and we know that even though we have tough times in life, 
We just want to thank you for how gracious you are, through your grace, through your mercy, and through your unending love. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.